Hey, it's Darren from Bonfire. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This episode was recorded live on YouTube and Facebook. Head on over and you'll get the full Bonfire experience. Consider giving us a like and a subscribe. And when you do that, you help fuel more free content here on Bonfire Sports. Find everything you need, links and more, bonfiresports.ca. Now, enjoy the show. Here we go. CFL week six in the books. What an entertaining week it was. Week seven on tap and ready to dive in on Bonfire Midweek. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us live here on Bonfire Sports. Look who's back to my virtual right, Zach Schnitzer. You were on the post game this week, too, Zach. Numbers were awesome. Engagement was great. It was a fun game, wasn't it? It was a beauty. I can't stop thinking about that game, buddy. I, I rewatched it. I watched the highlights a couple times. Oh, my God. An iconic night of Winnipeg Blue Bomber football, buddy. Yeah, it really was an iconic night. Well put by you. Uh, okay, we got a jam-packed show, so let's run it down. Uh, we're going to talk about Duke Williams, a beat-up Cody Fajardo, the ongoing fiasco in Ryderville, We'll take a trip around the CFL and and a quick peek in on all four games from a very entertaining CFL week six, uh, including a whole bunch of stuff with the Blue Bombers and Calgary Stampeders, an absolutely epic battle of the unbeatens. Only one team stands. It's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, a real showdown on a hot and muggy and ripe Friday night. And buddy, and everybody's talking about this. Did Winnipeg win that game or did Calgary lose the game? That's what we need to do. We, we, got, a, we got a hot debate here around the bonfire. And speaking of hot, we've got explosion plays that were allowed by those bombers. Is that is that a problem? Is this bend but don't break defense sustainable, even though this team is 6-0? and Do we have special teams issue? How do we how do we rate Mark Leggio at this point? I know he's always a hot button topic. We're still struggling with the run attack, and then we actually get we actually get some uh, nice video from DB with the CFL top performer and uh, CFL leading receiver Greg Ellingson, aka Jellyman. That's his Twitter <laughs> handle, right? Jellyman. Is it? Yeah, man. At Jellyman. Oh, oh I didn't know that. I even yeah. tagged him in something today. I got to check that oh, out. But uh, get 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 your stuff together, DB. Come on. I will. I will. I was busy. I was at Bombers practice today. I had eyes on who was practicing, who was out. Uh, Greg Ellingson did not practice today, but yeah, as you teased up, Zach, we're going to hear uh, from Greg Ellingson on the heels of that incredible performance named the CFL top performer of the week. There's three named every week. He was number one for CFL week six. 11 catches on 14 targets, 152 yards, and one number that is more impressive than all of those. I asked Greg Ellingson about that, so stick around uh, for that as well. Okay, let's quickly go around the CFL in week six. It started with the Edmonton Elks in Montreal. 
uh, to face the Alouettes now without head coach Kahari Jones at the helm. And the Elks were able to pull this game out, Zach. Um, you know, so they're going to be hosting the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Edmonton on Friday night with some good feelings because, well, <laughs> they, they, they got another win. So uh, once again, the West beating up the East. Did did they deserve that win? I mean, they didn't deserve the one. And I mean, you you create this turnover against Hamilton in the last second with Dane Evans, who has fumbleitis near his own goal line. It happened again this week. Uh, but but credit edited bad. They came back from 19 down in the third quarter. Uh, this Wesley Sutton dude took three PIs, and uh, Mr. Kenny Lawler, our old friend, uh, yeah. caught the uh, game winning touchdown. I mean. I, I know we don't we don't like to talk about how good Kenny Lawler's doing because we miss him or do we? We'll talk about that, buddy, because yeah. I've got I've got a nice comparison between him and Ellingston here. But uh, Lawler still looks top notch, man. Like he makes unbelievable catches, and it reminds me of Milt Stegall when he was being thrown to by a you know grab bag of garbage QBs. I mean, look at what Lawler's playing with this year, and he's still producing. Yeah, it's a lot of different it, it, quarterbacks. It's, it's been a lot of different yeah. quarterbacks for him, right? It's yeah. impressive. It's impressive what Lawler's doing, but uh we'll we'll talk more. What did you think of the game? Uh that one, uh, well, like it, it was a squeaker and it really came down to it. Um should mention that, of course, Kenny Lawler, one of those CFL top performers this right. week. Uh, he put up seven catches on 13 targets, so not quite as good as Greg Ellingson's 11 on 14. <laughs> 92 yeah. yards. He did find the end zone. Uh, some people mad that um, Carlton Agadosi didn't get a CFL top performer this week, but I will take a shot and say I digress, and we will uh, uh, you know, uh, look at, at the, the rest of the CFL right now. Um, the other CFL top performer, Zach, was in the Ottawa-Hamilton game, and it was quarterback... Of the Tie Cats, Dane Evans. He went 21 of 28 for 342 yards, two touchdowns, but he keeps fumbling the football. I understand the, the the ball that got stripped of him was kind of stripped by his own offensive lineman, but Hamilton did everything in their power to lose this game, and they somehow yeah. still came out on top 25-23. And you know, in the CFL East, it's still unbelievably wide open. Uh, that was a game between two winless teams. Hamilton now one in four. Montreal with the loss, it's still one in four. Um, and Ottawa zero oh and five. Makes you wonder how things are cooking under the uh, seat of head coach Paul Lapolice. I feel terrible for Lapo. Like that's a game Ottawa should have won. They it, like there was less than two minutes left. They were up because of the Dane Evans fumble. And then it looks like Hamilton's going in for the game-winning touchdown, Darren. And they pick him off in the red zone, and they still lose. And and how do they lose? They give they give away a touchdown with Evans coming in uh, off the bench, I think, because I think Schiltz was in there for a bit. And Came then, in for a bit. Yeah, and then Ottawa has a chance to uh, to win the game on a walk-off from Mister Dependable Lewis Ward. And he come, he grazes the post. He's so close. It was like a 53-yard uh, kick. I don't know what's happening with Lewis Ward. He's one of three. But I don't know, man. Hamilton, are they the class of the East? Because they, they went for it on third down again in the red zone and didn't get anything. They fumbled the ball. Who is the best team in the East? And is Lapo in the hot seat, man? Like this... 
This is crazy. This is is crazy. I was asked by Hustler on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And if you haven't seen Winnipeg Sports Talk, I'd be blown away, first of all. But head over to them on YouTube and be sure to subscribe and check out their stuff. But my conversation with Hustler on Monday, um, you know, he asked me about that. The Montreal Alouettes made a change at quarterback and and fired Kahari Jones and and defensive coordinator Baron Miles. Kahari, since then, has been hired by the Hamilton Tiger Cats as an offensive consultant and a little bit of massaging doing there. They had some money left over their coaching cap, but didn't have enough space. They already have their 11 coaches, so he won't be allowed to be, you know, this Dave Naylor at TSN reported this today, won't be allowed to like be on the field and instructing players, but I, I, a man who has immense knowledge of the CFL, intimate knowledge of the East Division, and a very, very sharp offensive mind. Kahari Jones is going to bring a lot of value to Dane Evans, to the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. And if you ask me who the favorite is in the East, I understand they're one in four, but I'm not writing off the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You know, I understand, you've been saying like, that all year, buddy. Well, hey, I'll, I'll give you credit. You're consistent. You might be wrong. You might could be, easily wrong. be wrong. But I'm but sticking with consistent. it. <laughs> Consistently wrong sometimes. Uh, but Toronto's two and two. That like I haven't been impressed in any way, shape, or form of the the Toronto Argonauts. I haven't at all. Yeah. Um. We'll we'll see what they do. Um. You know, in in these rematches with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they got a win at Touchdown Atlantic. Um. And, you know, I just think Hamilton's the better team, and and they're they're going to make their way. But it. Montreal decided to fire their head coach. Danny Machocha takes over. He says he doesn't want to be the head coach moving forward, but I don't know if that's entirely true. A lot of people doubt that. The reality is, and this is what I talked to Hustler about on Winnipeg Sports Talk, was if you're going to fire a coach midseason, be prepared to write that season off. You're not going to get better. It's not like the St. Louis Blues firing their head coach, right. Craig Berube, you know, stepping in as, as interim head coach, and they go on you know, from the worst team in the league to, to winning the Stanley cup in a matter of, you know, five, six months, but um, that's not going to happen in pro football. It's just not going to happen. You're taking away your head coach and replacing them with like a coordinator or, or somebody similar, which means there's just more work to spread thinner over uh, or thicker over a, a, a thinly spread coaching staff. So I don't, I don't like the move. Uh, I don't think they should fire Paul Apolis. I understand he's not Sean no. Burke's guy, not a hire of his, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I think I didn't like their fate in that game. I thought they should no. have beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I don't think they got the fate they deserved, but um, we'll see how they do. Uh, Ottawa home to Montreal in a battle of the, you know, the, the last place teams in the East Division right now. So somebody's, well, uh, somebody's got to win. Well, and I, I wanted to say, like, I have a soft spot for Lapo, but, you know, if it if it talks like a duck and it walks like a duck, Darren, like, if his head, the teams he head coaches, for, for, regardless of the variety of reasons why they lose, okay, if they keep losing, then he's a losing head coach. And and now he has an opportunity to play, I think, with a with a pretty good quarterback in Nick Ardbuckle, if he puts him mm-hmm. in, because Caleb Evans wasn't wasn't that bad. I mean, he 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 did enough to win, but if he can't win with Caleb Evans or Nick Arbuckle, I think he has this season, and that is it. And with the tire fire that is the East, like the Bombers have more wins than the East combined. All of the Eastern teams have a negative point differential. Uh, 
uh, so did the Elks, by the way, at minus 99, uh, if you can believe it. But we'll talk about the Elks later. But I just, I agree. I think, I think uh, Lapo deserves more. But at the end of the day, it's wins and losses. He lost that first week in Winnipeg. They should have won that game. Now they've lost again. If if they win those two games, they and they played the Lions tough when the Lions were red hot. I mean, I know Jeff Hamilton said that uh, the Red Blacks weren't going to make the playoffs, but they very well could. I don't know. I hope they do. I I just feel for Lapo and just the way they lose these games. It's uh, oh, it hurts. It hurts, buddy. And the other thing I wanted to say was it's interesting, you know. Picking up Kahari Jones is interesting from the to the from the standpoint that guess what team he knows intimately? One of your three East Division opponents. And yep. that's gonna be a dogfight to like because there's probably gonna be a crossover, right? So yep. if the, you the, if Hamilton the Ticats, has the Ticats play the Alouettes three more times this year. Well, there you go, right? So now they have their number. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't part of it because if you can if you can have an advantage on Montreal in the next three games, and and keep in mind Hamilton hasn't played Toronto, so we'll see how they match up. They're usually pretty close. Hamilton could come away with this division, like you've been saying all along, and there could be a three-peat repeat of a Grey Cup rematch because the, the Western crossover team, whatever for whatever reason. Uh, thank goodness the riders didn't do it in 2017. Oh my goodness. They were close. I, I was, I was, I was constipated. I was like, no, it can't happen. It can't happen. Uh, dude, like Hamilton oh, could be in the gray oh, cup again. Too much information. Okay. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe more consternation. <laughs> uh, as I dig up the thesaurus, uh, I'm going to check, uh, freeze in here, AKA Sammy Garza today. Uh, uh-huh. Lapo's a trader. Let's talk about coaches that don't leave for oh, quote unquote on. greener pastures. The reality is every coach in pro football aspires for that better job, that, that promotion that, you know, Paul Apolis wants to be a head coach. He's been a head coach, uh, you know, before and, and wants that again, you got to turn down triple your salary. You got to turn down the opportunity to be the boss. That's a ridiculous comment that that's why um, that's why teams allow coaches and coordinators under contract to speak to other teams. If they get a promotion and take on a larger job, like say a Danny McManus is an assistant GM here in Winnipeg if, or, or Ted Gavaya, same position. If they get an opportunity to be a GM in the CFL and they got a three year, three year contract, let them go. You have to, uh, you don't want to stunt uh, people for, you know, uh, doing their job so well that somebody else wants to give them uh, a bigger opportunity. Um, well, okay. and let me say Sammy Garza is only allowed on the chat because he's related to one of us. Not me. And that was a joke that maybe somebody <laughs> caught. Did anybody catch that? Sammy Garza. Yeah, you're, you're great. It, it, we're just, we're just, we're just uh spitballing here, but Pete can keep in mind. Uh, Lapa. Was yeah. He's on, yeah. Look, look, look. <laughs> this is free. I know this is Ryan Friesen. Joe Max, the best GM Winnipeg ever had. Uh, okay, you, you, you took can us call to the Grey Cup, buddy. You can you can say what you want about uh, about him uh, 
Zach, but uh, I'm not with you. I'm, I'm against Sammy Garza today. Well, can uh, I just say one thing about Lapo? When he was on TSN, he, he could have been the head coach of the Lions. They offered him that job, I believe, and he turned it down. So he was waiting for his opportunity, and he took the OC job here. Uh, and, and we well, actually kept him. He married taking, a Winnipegger. Well, he did marry team. Yes, he did. Um, and that was a Cal Murphy joke. Waiters 27. You're sharp, buddy. You're always sharp. Yeah. You know what? Uh, waiters texted the bonfire hotline today and leads into our next topic. Zach waiters texted 816 tips, 816-8477. Why hasn't Duke Williams been suspended yet? Uh, Great question. Here's what's what. Um, Dave Naylor at TSN reported this today. He says the league says there were other circumstances that were at play and that, okay, first of all, nobody saw, there's no proof of spitting, but now we've got him accused of, of spitting on Brandon Alexander. We got him accused of spitting on a Saskatchewan, or, or pardon me, a um, uh, Calgary Stampede or Sean Lemon yes, in the playoff that's right. game. Sean, that's right as well. And now a third accusation. So where there's smoke, there's probably fire. And then throwing the helmet. This is what Dave Naylor reported today. Um, the league says if there's no official there to witness it, it they, they can't discipline them for it. That all said, Wednesday is when player discipline generally comes out, sometimes Thursday, but they usually like to get it uh, off the books on Wednesday. It's not even out of the norm to see discipline from two weeks prior. So are they going to do a deeper investigation on Duke Williams? I think they definitely should. Would it be good if he is handed a one-game suspension before they play the Toronto Argonauts again this week back in Regina? I sure hope so. Um, but the league says, you know, if, if they didn't see it, it, it essentially didn't happen or they can't discipline it. Um, there's Oof. one highway going into Wolfville, Nova Scotia, one road. Yeah. So they all went early. Uh, this is all reporting a Dave Naylor today on TSN. You can, you know, uh, check that out on, on .ca. Um, they left really early and got to the field early, which means the players are on the field early. So there were no officials yet on the field at Acadia University. So um, we'll see what happens. Zach, should he get a game? Should he get two? Well, he should definitely get a game of Waiters 27 is saying, uh, reminding us back in 2019, Vernon Adams swung his helmet at Adam Big Hill and got a game. Now, he should have been right. kicked out of that game. That, was, Bombers that was in the game. Yes, in the game. And he should have been kicked out of the game, I believe. And we would have won that game if he'd been kicked out. But and there is also uh, the other thing, the eye gouge against BA, I believe, in the Western final last year from Duke Williams. So, yeah, he should get a game. And and, and I think the conspiracy theorists are saying that the uh, the refs turned a blind eye because it was touchdown Atlantic. And that's a big, big showcase. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Randy Rosie and the Board of Governors have a, have a lot of cheese on that one. But it's not like this is, a, again, this guy. And he's your marquee player in Saskatchewan. I think the Riders would save a lot of face if they got ahead of this, Darren, and they sat him down. Because... Uh, well, they didn't Dick, do that with Gary Marino. They didn't. And they had a chance to. And they fumbled that one, to use a football wow. metaphor. They fumbled they didn't just it into fumble. their own end zone. They didn't even just fumble it. They oh. threw it into the into the upper deck. Like, they blew it. You had boneheaded comments by head coach 
Dave Dickinson by the play-by-play voice of the Riders, Michael Ball. Um, like if you haven't heard them, completely boneheaded, uh, naive comments about race and whether someone is is racist or not based on who they're friends with or who they're in a relationship with. Absolutely asinine. I know those individuals will get it straightened out in their own head, but then seeing the team put out a clearly, uh, you know, written by the team statement and apology for Garrett Marino saying, uh, you know, apologize for his actions and, and this, that, and the other. Uh, and then, you know, stating, I won't be commenting on this further. Well, Garrett Marino, you haven't commented on this at all. <laughs> you have to speak for your actions when you do the things like you did. Um, and, you know, it's just thing after thing after thing with the Saskatchewan yeah. Rough Riders. You know, Cody Fajardo's beat up. They keep rolling him out there. They, they don't have a, you know, a competent number two, clearly. Dickinson uh, isn't, isn't comfortable with, with who they have. So yeah, they're just beating the crap out of Cody Fajardo's body. They're not going to be able to keep pace in the West Division with the way BC has emerged this year, with the way Calgary nope. and Winnipeg are playing. Um, she's even Edmonton. Uh, could could start, um, you know. Edmonton uh, could totally catch them, and and Saskatchewan's yeah. lost to two Eastern teams. Yeah, right. Like they they are. This may be the moment. I know we got to run down the game, but this may be the moment, DB, when we look back at the end of the season when the Bombers are th- three peat champions. You know, just just playing my fan card here. That this was when the wheels fell off in Ryderville. That yeah. they went into Touchdown Atlantic. They, uh, you know, Fajardo, who maybe shouldn't even be out there, is hobbling around, throws a, a a game losing pick six, and you have all these antics. Second week in a row, plus plus there's a COVID outbreak, and I'm not saying anyone's necessarily to blame, but it's just more more dirt, right? It's just more dirt on the uh, the the grave, do, right? Like like do you, they, do you buy it that do they I, have COVID? Kind of convenient. No. Just, whoa, just whoa. a thought. Just sharing what I what what some people are, are chatting about. I I believe if they say they have COVID, I believe them. But some people don't. Do you do you believe them? They have COVID. Be a good time so, to so you know kind of have everything locked down. So you're they don't, they don't that, want to comment on anything, right? They don't want to comment on anything. Oh, so you're saying it's kind of a it's a uh, it's a get out of jail free card, like sort of get get off the stage, yeah. lower the heat a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised given what we've seen, dude. Like, and of and I say this as a fan of the Bombers who is born and raised to despise our friends in green. Not really despise, but from a fan perspective, you know, the the <laughs> the rivalry. So there's that coming out of me, Darren. But there's also the part of me that's just a fan of the CFL. And it's Bush League. It's garbage. It's a joke. It taints the league. It, it, you know, the race versus heritage stuff in a league that is diversity is strength based. We, we, you know, the, the, the history of this league with, with African American players like Chuck Ely, uh, it's garbage. They, someone's got to clean this up because, you know, and, and this, this league is full of, of diversity in the stands as well. You have the Elks that are, that are going to be broadcasting the game in the Cree language. Uh, you have, uh, we have an indigenous relations person in Negan Sinclair with the bombers, the, the riders themselves, they have a lot of indigenous fans. We have, we have tremendous diversity 
diversity is strength. And you come up with this, oh, you're friends with this person. You're friends with a black person. So you're okay. Like, like that, that is stuff you teach in junior high social studies. Well, it's now, garbage. maybe not 20, 30 years ago. But it's not 20, 30 years ago. Like this but is I'm this saying you, if you don't educate people when they're young, oh. how do you expect them to just know? You know, I, I'm not making excuses for them, but, you know, clearly not. I called them out. Um, but you got to be smarter than that. You you can't put oh. your foot in your mouth with these important things. Um, let, let's move on. Let, let's let's okay. talk football um, because, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll let Saskatchewan burn and we'll just watch the hay bales uh, light the sky <laughs> from a distance. Okay. Um, but a 30-24 Toronto Argonauts win and, uh, well, really – Cody Fajardo had three interceptions um, that helped seal the game for the Argonauts late instant rematch back in Regina this coming week. I'm looking forward to that. Zach, let's get into what people came here for today. And thanks to everybody who's joining us live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, if you're not watching us on YouTube, we're actually, we're even on Twitch. Did you know that? We're on Twitch. I'm twitching. Yeah. I'm a twitching. I, I got to throw one more thing at Saskatchewan. Come on. They're they're okay. ripe for the pick and 647 penalty yards, worse than the CFL. That's another thing that they're striving. You know, Jamal Morrow, Schaefer Baker, they're bright spots. But other than that, that's a freaking tire fire. Okay, let's talk about other stuff now. Yeah, I'm with uh, I'm with Friesen's takes are gold. Uh, man, you you change your name so often, uh, it's really something to behold. Um, okay, so the number one question coming out of that Blue Bombers seven point win on that hot and muggy epic and memorable Friday night at IG Field, Zach. It was electric. You and I had a ton of fun on the post game show. Uh, if you're watching out there and you haven't caught the post game show yet. Check it out. You'll, you'll, you'll find it uh, on this channel on Bonfire Sports. We had a, a ton of fun, and the live chat was lit as always. Um, but the big question, and it, you know, it was written by Ryan, Ryan Valentine of Three Down Nation, and I think it's a very, very valid point when you look at how that game transpired. Zach, did the Calgary Stampeders lose that game, or did the Winnipeg Blue Bombers win? And I think there is a lot of validity to the former in the Stampeders kind of blew that game for themselves. Okay. Well, do you, do you want to, do you want to take that position first or do you want me to defend my, my home team, buddy? You, I, I want to know what your, your actual stance is. My actual stance is, uh, well, okay. I, I am biased folks. You all know that 25 years season ticket member. Look at my shirt. I've got uh, bomber fan Ted Art in the back. I've got all this bomber stuff. Let me let me just say, I, I tried to be as unbiased as possible. And if you haven't seen that Valentine article, I would encourage you to check it out because it's actually, it, not actually, <laughs> he's a good writer. Aside from the fact that he jokes that the stamps are going to go 18 to know every year, he's a good writer and it's a good article. And, it, and you know what? It made me think, Darren, it made me think. Oh, someone lost their voice at the game. Yeah, Turk. <laughs> I just um, lost my voice because I muted. You just lost my voice. I was wondering what was going on there. I, I was just uh, saying, Ryan Valentine's a great guy. I've, I've, I've been awesome. With him a few times. Yeah, um, and it was a good article, and it and the fact that it made me second guess my opinion uh, from a guy who's a fanboy. Okay, hey, lay it out there, man. How did you see okay, it? Okay, okay, fine, fine. I know, I know. Too much hors d'oeuvres. Let's get to the main course. Listen, 
The Bombers won the game because of execution, Darren. We talk about execution in the kicking game. We talk about it in route running. We talk about it in the red zone. We talk about it catching balls. When you don't catch balls, they had five big drops that killed them. And you could argue that, yes, if they caught those balls, which were well-thrown balls, I think, mostly, although some were iffy, um, did they win the game? Maybe, but they didn't catch the balls. You had two receivers on third down in Winnipeg's red zone run into each other. That is not, that's not the Bombers getting lucky. That is lack of execution by the Stampeders, okay? Execution is part of football. Catching balls is part of football. Ball placement. Football smarts is part of football. And the Bombers coach that. The Bombers coach the hell out of that. O'Shea is all about the details. They're in early checking film. Someone told me the Stamps, the uh, Argonauts, and the Bombers are in the top tier of game preparation. I know Calgary prepares like 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 the Bombers, like but they didn't execute. So those five drops, that's on them. They didn't catch balls. Uh, their best players didn't play well. Kamar, Kamar Jordan is supposed to be their best receiver, maybe him and Begleton. Although, although this, uh, what's his name? Henry guy is, uh, is Malik, quite, yeah. quite good. Malik Henry, but, but it's lack of execution. They were one for three in the red zone and they were gifted one red zone possession. They had all these field goals. They were 25% on second down. The bombers were, were 53% on second down, which is excellent without a run game, by the way. So, you see Bo Levi Mitchell, he's a good quarterback, but he's not as mobile as Zach. And our low O-line had trouble even with three- and four-man pressure. And Kalaros was dancing around, just dancing away from pressure, making plays out of nothing. Kalaros outplayed Bo Levi Mitchell, and he does it often. Now, let, let, let me just say this, like, Kolaris is so precise and he's such a perfectionist that uh, that on the post game show he was even uh, he was even criticizing himself for lack of execution. He said he should have taken a sack uh, near the end of the first half, right? Like it, it, the Calgary didn't get any points on that. And 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 the Bombers lacked some execution uh, at times as well. But like for for example, they left one second on the clock with that carry run at the end of the second half. They could have held him up and and prevented three points there, and then the other seven points they gifted them with the Janarian Grant fumble. So, but but our lack of execution uh, wasn't as dramatic as theirs. And, and that's and, my and, and that's my point. That's why Calgary lost the game. They failed to execute. They failed to take advantage of their opportunities. They took stupid, untimely penalties. Uh, the Charlie Moore roughing the kicker penalty was completely boneheaded. That put points on the board for Winnipeg. Uh, and not just three. Like, it was a missed field goal. Maybe it would have been a single, but let's just say it's zero. The Bombers got a first down after that and, and were soon in the end zone. They... Um, they took advantage of that blunder by the Stampeders. You mentioned um, Bo Levi Mitchell outplayed by Zach Kolaris. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. But 
there were five drops, outright drops by the Calgary Stampeders. Another reason why they lost the game and Winnipeg didn't win. Bo Levi was 12 of 28. That's 43%. He only turned the ball over once. And chunk plays killed the Bombers. I'm going to put this, uh, this question up uh, right now. Uh, are explosion plays killing the Bombers' defense? Let me just break down some of the explosion can I, plays. Can I, can I just, just jump in once, Darren, though? Okay. Just, yeah. just, I was thinking about this today because you're right. Um, they did drop balls. But, but I've never played receiver. But if I'm playing the dark side defense and that crowd is deafening and the crowd is part of the game, just ask sign guy, right? These are pro football players, man. Catch the ball. If it's a catchable ball, you got to catch it. Kamar Jordan caught one of seven targets. This is a guy who is in the top five receiver conversation in the whole league. You don't, it doesn't matter where you're playing or how loud the crowd is or but, how big the game is. Catch right. the football. Catch okay, it. Okay. 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 Let's say you're right about that. But, but why are they dropping balls? Maybe they're dropping balls because they're hearing footsteps of Adam Big Hill, of Malcolm Thompson, of Donald Rutledge laying the boom. Like, they didn't drop that many balls against other teams. Like, like it is uh, anyway, I think it's lack, lack of execution, but, but okay, you want to talk. So, so hang on, hang on. <laughs> if you think they dropped footballs because they were hearing footsteps, tell me why they took explosion plays like this. Reggie Bagleton, 45 yards on one catch. Uh, these, these are just individual plays, 45 yards on a catch. Malik Henry, 24 yard explosion play. Uh, Luther Hukunavanu, 18-yard explosion play. Kamar Jordan, his one catch was for 15 yards and a first down. Uh, Kadeem Carey had a 13-yard catch. Those are just the receiving numbers. Yeah. Explosion plays in the run game. Kadeem Carey ran for 27 yards. That led to a quick score. Uh, he ran for 29 yards on one carry. That led to a score. Everybody looks at the, the time of possession, and I'll, I'll Pull it up here. The time of possession? Yeah, Winnipeg won the time of possession, 37-22. Because when Calgary scored, it was bang, bang. And points were on the board. They blew this game. Should Winnipeg have lost? In my opinion, it should have been a closer game than it was. And, like, think about how close it was. Yeah. Like, Kamar Jordan drops a extremely catchable football in the end zone. Maybe not extremely catchable, but mm. a catchable. He catchable. lays out, he lays out and it hits him in the hands. I had football coaches. I played receiver. They like, they would tell me all the time. If it hits you in the hands yeah. and you're not like inverted or something ridiculous, if it hits you in the hands, you better catch the football It hit you in the hands. What else do you want? So, um, but, but, but it, Darren, Winnipeg dropped. Last thing I'll say, Demario Houston dropped two interceptions in the first half, made up for it with that interception to seal the game with 45 seconds left. But this, this is all I'm saying. This is all I'm saying. I think the Blue Bombers got the fate. Like you got to be good to be lucky and you got to be lucky to be good. They were a good football team, good enough to win, were the words of Mike O'Shea. I agree with that. But Calgary... No question in my mind, flew home that night, biting their tongues and, you know, just, just 
grabbing the, the, the armrests on their flight home. They know they let that one slip between their fingers. Uh, pardon the pun on how bad the receivers were in, in <laughs> That's pulling good. in the football. Um, these two teams are going to meet again in just a couple weeks in Calgary. Um, look out. The, the Stampeders are going to have a real bitter taste in their mouth. Oh, they yeah. want redemption, and, and Winnipeg better be ready. Well, I will agree that it should. It could have been closer. It should have been closer. Absolutely. Uh, don't forget, though, Calgary had three cracks from our from our what four yard line. Carey runs it for two yards. So the Bomber defense, after giving up three explosion plays to Kadeem Carey, he he ripped our defense to shreds. Not a good look. I'll agree with you. They 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 stuff him for two. Okay, that's pretty good. Two yards. And then they bring in Tommy Stevens, Mr. Backup, who could fall forward and get a touchdown. And Six, he throws five, two forty-five. Six five two forty-five. He is a monster of a man. So you didn't the bombers were three for four in the red zone that night, I believe. They didn't outthink themselves. They didn't screw up. And they threw two touchdowns to a guy who'd never played a freaking CFL game, if I'm not mistaken. He that had is, more. He had as many touchdowns on Friday night, Carlton Agadosi, than he did in his college career. <laughs> so, I mean, isn't that impressive? Like, let's look at what Winnipeg did well. I mean, sure. they, over, they oh, overcame sure. but I think it's, it, The Bombers are 6-0. and There's a lot of hype. People are excited. That's great. Rightfully so. But take it with a little bit of a side dish of caution. This is a beatable football team. Calgary knows well, it better than they're anybody. beatable. Anybody's so, beatable, but but think about all the times Calgary in their dynasty or their heyday, they stole wins from us a couple of times. They did. There was one in 2014 where we had them on the ropes and Drew Willie took a time count penalty uh, in the fourth quarter under three minutes and we turned the ball over. There was one, uh, I believe it was 2015, I was at that game. And of course I was at the game. It was in IG field and Mike O'Shea for some reason didn't challenge a, a circus catch. I think it was, uh, who was it? Might've been Devaris Daniels. I'm going back here. I'm just saying, you know, Calgary, Calgary has stole some from us that they didn't deserve. And we are like, like, let me just say that. I don't think you're totally wrong, Darren. I think the game could have been closer and it could have gone either way. And maybe if it wasn't that IG field, we don't win that game. Cause our crowd was absolutely crazy. Good. Yeah. Like I'm, took I've rare. I'll get to take a timeout in the first quarter Yeah, on offense. So, so of course that context that any team is beatable. I mean, the bombers didn't play perfect football. They, they, they could have easily lost it. the game, yeah. but they've won six of them and they haven't lost any. And and they do they, that the Ben Bado break the the explosion plays the Bombers are have allowed the most passing explosion plays in the CFL with thirteen. This is not just against Calgary. This is a trend, but but they but they but their defense allows the least points, the least average points, and the least opposing TDs over six games. So I get what you're saying, but this is a trend with the Bombers. Now, is it sustainable? It's been sustainable for six games. Is it going to be sustainable the whole season? I'm not so sure. You, 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 I don't know how many times this, you can keep this. This sounds <laughs> just just for just for argument's sake. This sounds just like 2019. This sounds just like yeah. the first month of 2021. Is the bend but don't break sustainable? Uh, I think it is a valid 
question to ask. I think it is a valid conversation to have. Um, but based on historical precedent here in Winnipeg, it is sustainable. But we'll see. History doesn't always repeat itself repeatedly. It repeats it. <laughs> History will repeat itself, but not over and over and over again. It, it you know, trends do break. They do break. And and we've got to look at, you know, that Toronto game, for example, where they they got that turnover on Brandon Banks on the goal line. I mean, I don't know. I, I, like some people might say that's lucky, but other people might say that that is absolute A plus talent that that will defend like this, the Adam Big Hill thing, right? He will defend every blade of grass. It doesn't matter what the situation is. A lot of teams are like, okay, the other team's first and goal, just give it to them, whatever. The Bombers are like, this isn't like, we're going to get the ball back right now. And I think that's the mentality and that's coaching. And I do think that is something that, that I would, I would, I would take a stand on that, that that is coached. And and that those are the types of players that the Bombers get. You don't see guys like Garrett Marino on the Bombers. You don't see guys like Duke Williams. You don't see guys like Brandon Banks. I guarantee you, if he was available, the Bombers wouldn't have taken him because they need, they like character guys and character guys play for each other and they have football smarts and they never give up. I think often, especially in football with, um, you know, a large locker room and a lot of influence of those around you, I think a player's character can be molded by their environment. So, you know, you, you can pick out these individuals that have, you know, reputations or whatever. You don't know how they would react if they're in the locker next to Willie Jefferson or an Adam Big Hill, or if they're in the locker next to, um, you know, uh, uh, um, I'm, I'm trying to, think, sorry, Rashid Bailey or Pat Newfeld or a Stanley Bryant or Jamarcus Hardrick. You know, you might not be the same guy you would be if you're sitting next to somebody without that character and that leadership uh, and that class. Um, Mike O'Shea said it on his show last night. Uh, the character, the off the field, like the type of person a player is, the type of person mm-hmm. they are, like right here, is part of their evaluation. So yeah. I, I don't disagree with you, Zach. I'm just saying, um, you know, I, I think the environment uh, has a huge effect on the character of players. They keep each other in check. Michael Shea yeah, keeps do. them in check. You know, yeah. like just like Fritchie is saying uh, on the live chat, watching live on YouTube, O'Shea knows this and and that it was key. Fans can say what they want. Coach won't let them off the hook. He won't. They made a ton of mistakes. You know, like, like Friesen mentioning, you know, that uh, Ryan Friesen mentioning, um, in the live chat that, you know, I, I can't just look at one team and, and let the other off the hook. No question. The bombers made a ton of mistakes. Yeah. Michael Shea says it this way. And it's so true. It's so true. Good football games between two good teams. They each make like five or six really decisive plays. It could be a big play. It could be a big mistake. Um, it, it, it could be a variety of different things. And the team that makes that one more play or one less critical mistake comes out with the win. That's all I'm saying happened on Friday. It was a winnable game for Calgary. Should they have won? I'm not saying they should have won. I'm saying they lost the game. I'm not saying Winnipeg won the game. I think if you have to choose between those two, it's a Calgary loss to me. 
<laughs> so you're saying if Calgary executes, if they catch those balls, if they don't take that stupid penalty on leg, Think about it. It would, it would have been a tie football game if Kamar Jordan pulled in that one. But that was only because, the other... Willie, only because Jackson Jeffcoat made a boneheaded late hit on him. Like Winnipeg contributed to their to their to that too, right? No, I'm talking about the Houston interception to seal the no, game. No, but 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 that interception only happened because um, they got Calgary got a free 15 yards because uh, oh. Jackson Jeffcoat made a boneheaded decision to hit Bo Levi late. I, I, like you know, it got the stamps closer. That's all. I'm just. Yep. I, I agree that Calgary could have easily ways. won that game. Uh, it's a good debate. It'll be fascinating to see what happens at McMahon. McMahon doesn't have the same, uh, let's say, uh, uh, joie de vivre as uh, as IG Field, right? But it, it, and then they come back here on the thirtieth for for uh, for another rematch. So it, it's interesting. It's just. It, the, the Bombers have won, I think, three games they easily could have lost. Ottawa, the first game, the Toronto game, and now the Calgary game. But they won all three, and the stats bear out what we're seeing. They're, they're, they're giving up tons and tons of yards. They're a middling defense in yardage. They're a middling defense in terms of second down conversion. I was looking at some stats today. Sixth in yards per play. Uh, seventh and first downs allowed. They're last in a in opponent pass uh, first downs, but they get the interceptions. They get the turnovers, so they're so they're tops in interceptions. Second in turnovers forced. Uh, we don't give up many penalties. We're third. Uh, we're third in in enforcing two and outs. We 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 give up the least points. We give up the least average points, and we give up the least opponent TDs. And then the well, offense. And- Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and, and the other thing people people often say is while they didn't do all of these things they could have done, they do these other things such as winning the special teams battle. That really surprised me. Now, Mark Killam, the Calgary San Peter special teams coordinator, is first class like as a person. Um, I, I've only had one conversation with him before, but I was really taken aback by how nice a guy he is. Uh, secondly, uh, and and more so importantly, is going to be a head coach in the CFL someday. He is a phenomenal special teams coordinator. The Blue Bombers made egregious errors on special teams. Uh, Mark Leggio taking a sack right before the end of the half. Um, uh, Janarian Grant fumbling, uh, allowing Peyton Logan uh, essentially a, a touchdown return. If it wasn't for a bit of a holding penalty, like that could have been called the other way is all I'm saying. Um, but a hold nonetheless. Uh, Winnipeg got beat in the special teams game by the Calgary Stampeders. Another reason, um, you know, uh, that, that this, this game was as close as it was. Oh, I'll agree with that. Special teams is special. I mean, do you want to get into special teams with the Bombers? Like, do we want to get into sort of a a report card here on uh, on the Bombers in their first six games, first third of the season? Sure. You got some numbers? Well, I was giving out some numbers on the D. They do give up a lot of yards, and they're middling in a lot of categories, even near the bottom. But the ones that maybe matter uh, is points against, touchdowns against, uh, and 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 they've got the interceptions. So it's it's truly the stats bear out this bend but don't break defense to give up a lot of yards to give up a lot. Well, I thought you were talking down. on special teams though. 
But well, we could go to special teams. So the Bears are tied for second last on opponent big play returns on special teams. However, their cover teams, their their cover teams were bad to start the season. They were, and and they struggled. You know, you had that penalty against Calgary, but they're in the top third uh, for for in terms of defending the kickoff and punt return on average. So they're giving up some big ones, but on average, they're doing reasonably well. Now, now let's talk about Mark Leggio. Okay. Everybody is throwing shade on Mark Leggio. So what I did was our, our, our 2021 gray cup hero, Sergio Castillo, who everybody Mm -hmm. loves, hold him to this high standard, I, I want I want you to guess who I'm talking about. Field goal percentage of 88.2%. Field goal percentage of 78.9%. Who has the 88.2? Who well, has the 88.2? It's Leggio. I know, I know that's Mark Leggio. But yeah. here, okay, now, now some... Uh, what about convert someone, numbers, though? Okay, hold on. Someone might want to say, well, he technically missed the 36-yarder where he got hit by Charlie Moore. You take that one, let's say he misses that, he's still at 83%. So he's he has a better field goal well, one, percentage. One kick, one kick knocks it down 5%. That's how yeah. small the sample size is. So he has a, like, they, they I believe they played the same number of games. Okay, so, so mm-hmm. he has a better field goal percentage. Now let's look at uh, punting net. Uh, 44.3 for one of them, 46.5 for the other. Again, Legio has a better net punting average. Good punter. He's a good punter. Than, than, than Castillo, and I know he's given up some singles and he's missed a couple, uh, but overall, he, he's doing pretty well. Now, the, the one I was curious of was the kickoffs, because I always noticed Castillo would boom them inside like the five-yard line last year for the Bombers, uh, and I and I feel like Legio lofts them up, but let me just make sure I've got this straight here, because I wrote it down in me uh, me notebook here, Darren. Uh, there's only a point one of a yard difference in net kickoff, like in in opponent starting position on the kickoff. So mm-hmm. what that tells me is that he might not boom them as far, like the gross kickoff uh, average, but he's he's kicking off, and the bomber cover teams are getting there. And that's a that's that's a symbiotic unit, right? Like the cover that, teams that's a team, and the kicker. That's a team stat. That's a team stat so, for sure. Right. Yeah. So if Castillo is kicking them and they're they're more of a, a you know a lofting kick and it doesn't look like a booming kick, it's because maybe I'm not making excuses, but but there's a symbiosis there and the cover teams are getting there. The only thing is the PAT. That is the that is the one where Castillo is better. And I know I'm just c- comparing Castillo to Legio. And there's a whole bunch of other kickers who who are very good in this league, right? But Castillo has a point after percentage of 75%. He's six of eight. 75% isn't that great. It should be near 90, right? It should be above uh, 90. Or above 90. Legio is 73%. So he's not that far off from uh, Mr. Mr. Grey Cup MVP in quotes. Uh, so I, I was just saying, and he's young. He's it's his second year. You've made this you've made this argument, and I think it's I well taken. It's yeah. such a mental position. It he's the pressure is like this is the defending back to back Grey Cup champs. 
there are Grey Cup aspirations and expectations for this team this mm-hmm. year. And this guy is handling all three duties. And Murtada is breathing down his neck. And they have some money because of the six-game IR to, to get guys like Kai Long or Brett Maher should, should or, that, or should Liram that be, Hirolahu. But should that be negative pressure or should that be positive pressure? You have the job. Just go out there and kick, right? You have the job, but but you, you, just, you just know that last year, Mortada got supplanted by Castillo in mm-hmm. a late-season trade because they had Grey Cup expectations. I'm just saying there's a lot of pressure on this kid, and, and he's doing all right. Now, when he loses us a game, if he loses us a game because of his kicking, I think the pressure gets turned up, but... But he, I, the last thing I just want to say about Legio is is I think he's doing reasonably well, just, even though he's a second-year guy, because of some coaching. I think the Bombers' coaching is really good, and they and they they coach him up. There's probably the team psychologist in there. Uh, you have O'Shea and uh, Boudreaux who have his back. I, I, I think you haven't seen wild swings of failure. You've seen a bit of inconsistency. But then he comes back and what does he hit? A 48 yarder? He went two longest of the year. Right. So I think you got to give the kids some credit. This team is six and oh, despite the fact that maybe his PATs haven't been that great, but field goals and, and kickoffs and punting have been pretty darn good. Yeah. He was 13 to 13. His punting has been very, very good, um, which is, you know, like it, like if you're Mark Leggio's agent, and you're watching him punt the way he is, you're like, okay, probably going to get a good career out of this young man one way or another. Uh, the field goal kicking has been good, but the, it's it's those extra points when fans yeah. are excited and elevated and high from a major, and then you miss the single. And it's like, well, now it's just two field goals. It's not a touchdown anymore in the eyes of a lot of, of fans, but um, it's early in the season. We're one third of the way through the Blue Bombers 18 game schedule. We'll see how things shake out uh, the rest of the way. Um, let, let's talk about some really, really good news, Zach. And that is the incredible performance from the biggest free agent addition the Winnipeg Blue Bombers made in 2022. And that is receiver Greg Ellingson, 11 catches on 14 targets for 152 yards, named a CFL top performer. And I teased this earlier, but now you're going to find out uh, about three quarters of the way through this interview. uh, The one stat that stood out to me that is more impressive, in my opinion, than all of those others. So here's Greg Ellingson talking with the media earlier today. That one, Ray. Um, I'm assuming you're talking about last game. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It was good, but, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to get that honor from the CFL, but you know, we're on the Edmonton this week. You know, you can't really look back and spend too much time on those things. But, sure. uh, you know, definitely uh, something I can be proud about. And uh, also appreciate the guys on this team, you know, the offensive line for protecting and Zach for going out there and killing it every week. Um, you know, he, he makes it pretty easy to have a game like that. You're leading the league now. Receptions and yards. Uh, you know, how do you explain just your instant success with a new team? That doesn't always happen. Uh, good game plan, you know, by the offense coaches um, and execution by you know the whole team, right? So uh, the defense turns the ball over and gets gets the offense the ball back. It makes it easier for us to move the ball down the field, and you know it takes us to execute. And probably a little bit to do with us having six games already is probably why I'm ahead yeah, okay. uh, more That's than other teams. Game. But uh, I'm sure they'll have their chance to catch up, and uh, you know, 
kind of just one week at a time and just focus on that, and the rest will take care of itself. You've been around a while now. How much fun is this? Oh, it's a blast when you're winning. You know, it was nice to play last year. It's always nice to play football, but when uh, you're winning more than losing, it's always a little bit more fun. It's nice, but really, but yeah, <laughs> celebrate the fact that you're really good at football too. <laughs> I said I'm proud of it, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, but that's a mentality that you have to have, you know, especially in football. You can't just keep looking at your success that you've already had. You have to focus on the week at hand. And if you let, you know, what you've done in the past dictate what you're doing that week, then you're going to get content. And that's something that's dangerous, especially in this game. So um, I think I'm always going to have that. But except for uh, maybe when I'm done playing football, I'll look back and I'll appreciate everything a little bit more. Uh, like I said, I'm proud of it. But um, it's on to this next week. What's allowed you to be successful in your early 30s when we start to wonder about athletes? You're, you're flying so far. Consistency, I guess. Uh, the way I train in the off season, the way I, that I train in practice, uh, just uh, kind of make, keeping that mentality of always being young and always fighting for a spot on the field, and uh, making sure that you know that there's always someone behind you that wishes they could have your job. So um, I think that's always the mentality that I have, and I'll, I always will have until uh, one day the wheels fall off. Can you can you describe to folks like us what it feels like to make 11 catches and get hit 11 times and and have that kind of game and that? I think, there's a couple, I think there's a couple where I just hit the ground. So is that the same <laughs> as getting hit by somebody? It, it still hurts me, so I don't, but we're different people. <laughs> um, I, I've been playing long enough. I think I'm used to it. Um, you know, it's definitely a little more physical, a um, little more toll on your body, I think, when you take that, you know, a lot of hits in the game. But, you know, that's no different than what the O-line and the D-line do every day, banging down in the trenches. So um, if, if they have to do it, then I have to do it, and that's kind of part of that team mentality. Hitting 14 targets, that's like a receiver's dream, getting that many uh, balls thrown their way. Um, I think that's just, you know, it's just how the cookie crumbles a little bit. Sometimes you're going to get a lot of targets. Sometimes the game plan is going to look like you're going to get the ball a lot, but the, the defense might do something different. The You know, Zach might see something different based on the safeties or the half, or maybe it's man, or maybe it's zone. You know, maybe you, we don't really know where the ball's going to go. The only guy that knows that is uh, the defense and the, and the quarterback. And when it comes your way, you just have to make the opportunities uh, count. Your chemistry with Zach, does it go back to your Hamilton days, or what, what, how have you guys been able to build such a strong connection? Uh, I think... You know, kind of hit on this last week. Uh, chemistry, you know, is a word that guys like to use, but you know, really, it's about preparation and communication and uh, making sure you're consistent. You know, when you're consistent, uh, the quarterback knows where you're going to be. When you communicate, uh, you can talk about the way you see different coverages, the way you see different leverages, and uh, when he knows you're going to be in the same spot at the same time, it makes it easier to put the ball there. 14 is a lot of targets. 11 is a lot of catches. 152 is a lot of yards, but seven second down conversions is the number that really stood out to me. Is that by design? Is that circumstance? You know, has that happened to you before? Uh, probably circumstance. I think we'd like to get a first down every time we have a first down, right? And just never have second downs would be uh, ideal. But um, we obviously want to get uh, move the ball in first down a little bit and make it second and short, which makes it e easier to, uh, to convert those, right? So there was quite a few of those uh, second and shorts that made it easier to, to convert those first downs. And, you know, then everybody just did their job and made sure that we uh, kept moving the ball downfield and it helped. You got a few year, uh, CFL seasons under your belt. What do you see in, in Carlton Agadosi who, you know, goes up and, and, and gloves a couple uh, in his CFL debut? Yeah, I mean, that's another guy I feel like uh, you guys should be talking to because, uh, you know, I'm proud of what I did, but I'm also proud of that guy for, uh, you know, hearing a story. I didn't play with him last year, but knowing that he spent the whole year on PR. And, you know, I know what that grind's like uh, playing in the arena football where you're just trying to, you know, kind of get opportunities to, to show what you could do and, and, and hopefully uh, get somewhere else. And he, he showed last year that, you know, he's willing to put in the work to, to show what he could do in, in, on PR and, and keep working and kind of keep that mentality of one, you know, one day my opportunity will come, and, and it did. And, and uh, he definitely made sure that the limelight was on him when he got in the end zone twice. It's a new team uh, under Chris Jones in Edmonton. Um, lots been said about a, a Chris Jones defense and athletes and the rest, but where's the challenge lie this week? 
Uh, this team plays a lot of uh, man coverage. You know, they, they press a lot more so than any team that we face, and they've always been known to do that, even when he was back in the SAS days. But uh, you know, that, that's kind of how we have to prepare and make sure that you know we can beat that uh, press coverage and see it, and, and also see when they're going to bring zero, and also when they're going to fake bring zero and man, and then drop out into coverage. So those are the things that we have to you know focus on on film, and then uh, make sure we can capitalize when they do come. So first thing I'll say, I don't know how anybody here in Winnipeg isn't like an immediate fan of Greg Ellingson. Not only is he performing on the field, but he's doing all the things off the field the right way as well. Um, and quick clarity, when he talks about uh, that man coverage, of course, that's man-to-man versus the zone, which most teams, not just in the CFL, but in pro football play, Chris Jones will do press coverage, meaning DBs close to the line of scrimmage, in the face of the receiver, sometimes even bumping them uh, within that first five yards they're allowed to, to to kind of disrupt their routes. Zero means there's no safety. So they'll go zero, meaning they're bringing pressure to the quarterback and staying uh, on man-to-man coverage on those receivers. Then he says, you know, sometimes they'll even pretend to go zero and then drop back into coverage. So it's going to be a chess match on Friday in Edmonton between uh, a very good Blue Bombers offense. We'll see if the run game gets going a little bit better. Uh, and then a very innovative, different Chris Jones defense. With Deron Carter, and he could be playing defensive end. He could be playing middle linebacker. He could be playing safety. <laughs> right. He could be playing kick uh, kicker. I don't know, man. But that's a great, that's a great, great interview with Greg Ellingson. I mean, this guy uh, could be in the conversation for MOP at some point, you know, like he's on pace for, I've got it here, uh, Darren, I believe he's on pace for 1,554 yards, nine touchdowns. That's pretty darn good. And how many, how many catches does he have on the year? Leads the league in receiving yards. Leads and, the league and in rece- receive. Yep, and and I uh, I don't want to I don't want to interrupt you because I know it was your interview and I know you got a lot to say about this guy. But I, I you know we were talking about this report card, right? If you look at the offensive trends for the Bombers, they they kind of have an average offense in terms of yards, but their first and first downs and their first and first downs versus the with the pass, I should say. But they're but they're in they're almost in the bottom with yards on first down, and they have a three point eight yard rushing average, which is last in the CFL. But they rush right. the ball almost the most. What that tells right. me that gets your average that, down, right? Yeah. What? Yeah, and what that tells me is that this offense is is humming because of Zach Kolaris and Greg Ellingson getting key second downs. Yeah. Honest, honest to God, that is the engine of this defense, especially without offense. Sorry, without Nick yeah. Dembski. It's unbelievable what Ellingson's doing. So I, I, I just think Seven, he, he is a big story here, man. He, he really is. Seven second down conversions. Like they, they didn't mention it in the CFL top performer uh, press release. They didn't mention it in the Blue Bombers press That's release. That's a great stat. That is a huge number to be the guy, um, you know, not only going to like throwing to Greg Ellingson on second down to convert, um, especially when the run game isn't going well and it's generally second and long or at least second and medium. Um, And then for him to convert on seven of them, seven of his 11 catches moved the chains uh, while even more because he had some longer ones, but 
Um, it, it says a lot about, um, you know, how they're utilizing him and people in Winnipeg, uh, you know, saying, oh, it's really easy to forget that other receiver that was here last season <laughs> that also led the league, um, well, through the entire season uh, in receiving. That, of course, is Kenny Lawler. He was named a CFL top performer coincidentally this week, and it will be a reunion with Kenny Lawler, quarterback Trevor Cornelius, um, and then, of course, kicker. Uh, I just say quarterback Trevor Cornelius because it's another one for Kenny Lawler yeah. to uh, to work with this year. <laughs> and then, of course, Sergio Castillo uh, playing against his former team as well. It's going to be fun on Friday night. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to the Lawler versus Ellingson conversation because mm-hmm. we, we know people in the media were saying Ellingson's going to outperform him, even though he's older, even though, uh, you know, maybe he's he's more injury prone. Uh, he's he's had he's more, maybe long in the tooth. He had a bit of a down year by his standards last year, whether where, whereas Lawler is this up and comer. But so far, and you could say it's because of the consistency at quarterback with the arguable MOP and Zach Kolaris. But Ellingson, let me just throw this, 518 yards. Lawler has 384. Touchdowns, they both have three. They have the same amount of, uh, almost the same amount of yak yards. But Ellingson's average is 15.2 yards per catch with a, with a large of 46. Lawler is 11.6 yards per catch, which is a large of 27. And Lawler has 61 point, I believe it's 61% catch percentage versus 81 for Ellingson. And and so that gets for, to, well, I'm just saying that gets to your like seven, seven catches, like key second down conversions, yeah. right? When he's catching now, 81% of the balls. I'm just razzing you, Zach, but for everybody out there who's wondering, who do you think got a stats pack today <laughs> in the CFL? <laughs> oh, Zach Schnitzer got a stats pack. Well, and um, I told you, you're like, yeah, you don't have to read it, Zach. I'll just send it to you. And I and I was like, <laughs> yeah, well, well, if you're not going to read it, I won't read it. And then, well, I, I had a bit of time to read it. And boy, was that fun. That was fun, man. Like that, 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 uh, anyway. Yeah. Love the stats pack. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good to dig into those numbers. They, they do tell part of the story, right? And, and uh, it's important to, uh, you know, keep those things in mind. Uh, hey, our, my good friend Don uh, joining us on Facebook Live. What's going on, Don? Thanks to everybody uh, who is joining us live. David and uh, Friesen, Comet, Waiters, uh, all the usuals, uh, Sign Guy, um, Sykes, The Knife, Sard is back in the live chat. Um, Scott Roger, Rifle Up, what's going on? Phyllis um, and and so many others. Uh, Booch back again Andrea, as well. Andrea, yes, Tamara, Andrea Waiters. Back, Tamara. Yeah, Tamara, Tamara was saying she was she was looking forward to us um, uh, getting the show going today. I'm always looking forward to talking football with you too, Zach. So here, here's the thing. There's, there's two other things I think are worthy of touching on for the Blue Bombers. One's a good story and one's maybe a more controversial-ish um, bad story. Uh, the bad being there's still seemingly no run game here in Winnipeg. The good being, well, yeah, Kenny Lawler is going to play against the Blue Bombers this week. He's going to go head-to-head with my breakout player of the year, no-brainer, Demario Houston, uh, who has just been lights out since taking over from Winston Rose on that boundary corner spot, bumping Rose to the other side, and effectively allowing the Blue Bombers to cut ties with Taekwon Glass for whatever reason it, it actually was. Um, but, uh, you know, 
I'm not sure what, what people out there hit up the live chat. Let us know. Do you want to talk about the run game or do you want to talk about uh, Demario Houston and, and how good he has been uh, for the blue bombers? <laughs> well, and, and I'll just interject that you had that great uh, video on uh, tw- uh, Twitter today, Darren, of him catching, what was he catching tennis balls? They got a little tennis ball machine, like the same <laughs> one you're like a tennis trainer. Right. But it's not, here's the thing. Everyone's like, you know, uh, some people replied like, Oh, I could do that. I can catch those tennis balls. It's coming a lot faster than that video may show a lot faster than it looks uh, a lot harder than it looks, but like, it's not just the DBs or the receivers doing that. The receivers, the running backs, they do it after every practice. Uh, the DBs sometimes, and, and saw him doing it today. You know who's doing it during practice? I was fascinated by this. Special teams coordinator Paul Boudreaux Jr. actually set up the, the tennis ball machine to kind of like do like a little bit of an arcing one, a little bit slower, about 10, 11 yards, just boop, for the punters, for, for Ali Mortada and for Mark Leggio to practice just catching the tennis ball because – Think how dire it would be, how catastrophic it is when a punter doesn't catch the long snap. So it's important for them to work on their eye-hand coordination as well. That's how in-depth the Blue Bombers and pro football teams uh, put their players through things. They cover every single base imaginable, cross every T, dot every I. Even the punters are working on on their hands uh, at practice. Yeah, that's that's really super something. cool. That I, I I love that. And and by the way, I do have to give a shout out, a big happy birthday to uh, the woman known as Bomber Vixen at Bomber underscore Vixen on Twitter. Lisa Marie, a better half to Bomber Reaper, one of our favorites. And uh, big happy birthday to you, happy Lisa. Birthday. Yes, I hope you had an awesome day. But the, yeah, I mean, do we want to get the run game first? Like. Boy, oh boy, 3.8 yards per per carry. That is bad. And I don't, you know, there's, let me ask you this, Darren. There's this sort of, there's this sort of convention or this theory that when you get into the playoffs, when you get into cold weather games, it's that run game that's going to carry you through. Now, I've heard other analysts that say that that there's actually no truth to that. It's sort of just a fairy tale. But, uh, you know, you saw in the West Final last year, Andrew Harris won that game for us. That run game killed the Riders, even though we fumbled the ball or gave it away six times. Are we? How concerned are Bomber fans with this run game, especially as maybe you get into the colder months where – where, you know, it's often said that the run game dictates those playoff games in the cold weather and the snow with the frozen tundra of IG Field. Yeah, I mean, you could almost argue the Blue Bombers look at it in the same way they look at any game. If you can control the line of scrimmage, if you can control possession of the football, if you can keep smacking your opponent in the mouth, It could be a hot, muggy night like it was back on Friday at IG Field in July, or it could be a freezingly bitter cold day on, as you mentioned, the frozen tundra here on the prairies. Um, I think it's just as effective uh, anytime. So, you know, that old cliche or the old, old, you know, saying people say, you know, like the run game, it always comes in handy in the playoffs. It comes in handy all the time. It opens up the play action. It keeps defenses honest. It beats up defenses. It keeps them on the field for longer. Um, yep. That 
has a toll it takes on opposing teams. You keep running, keep running. You got two guys carrying the football, mixing a little Dembski, mixing a little um, uh, Greg McRae, mixing a little Rashid Bailey. You, you spread that out. You spread that workload out. Well, it's the same linebackers making those hits all the time. The same DBs having to make those tackles when they get to the second level. Uh, teams do rotate their defensive line, um, but that's more to keep their lungs fresh. If you got to make tackle D ends and D tackles, they don't rack up a ton of, of tackles in a game, right? Two, three, maybe four. Um, yeah. If you force them to face the run a lot, like they did with Andrew Harris. It's physical, it's nasty, it's gritty, it's dirty in the mud, it's two yards in a pile of dust, all of that. Uh, the offense is going to come out uh, with the advantage in the end. That's my opinion, because you keep feeding it. Yeah, and it's it's almost like, because like, the Bombers lead the league uh, in time of possession by two minutes, which is quite a bit. And that two minutes is over BC, who's only played, what, four games. Uh, but they're not running the ball effectively, which tells you that they're, they're they're running it at, at at they're running it. The rushing attempts are high, but they're trying to grind the other team down. They've only run it effectively one game, and that was against BC, which you told me this was good information to know. They have a smaller, more fast D line, but they're not the big guys. Like right. the other D lines in the league are owning this run offense, and if they don't get it together, like Zach Kolaris is on a hot streak, I would say. And and he's not going to continue at that pace, I don't think. Like like team like people people go up and down. Like any athlete goes up and down in a season. He's not going to be throwing for three hundred yards and and playing playing Houdini every night and throwing with that kind of accuracy and Ellingson catching eighty one percent. Yeah, I would I'm say always, he'll throw with that know? accuracy all year. He'll throw with that accuracy all year. He did it last year. Yeah, but there's going to be off games for Zach. And the question is, and sure. when I say off games, I say maybe he throws a pick or two, maybe throws for 250 yards. But he was sacked four times against Calgary. They they completely crushed us with the run game. Like, they own the line of scrimmage. And it was because of Zach's escapability, I would say, and his accuracy and his chemistry with Greg Ellingson that that offense was able to click, plus plus the finish with Agadosi, of course. And by the way, Hustler challenged me, who was sitting in front of me, to do the stair climb again, because I did that in the last home <laughs> game. I did the stair climb. I ran up and down with the Willie Jefferson interception, and he, I think he challenged me to do it when Agadosi got the uh, the game-winning touchdown, but I wasn't sold on the win yet. I think I think Zach only does it when he's sold on the win. When it's like, okay, this game's over, then I do the stair run. But um, anyway, <laughs> I, I digress now. I I don't know, Darren. I, I I just I think you're you're counting on special teams and you're counting on defense to do too much each game, and you're counting on Zach to do too much each game, and receivers to make amazing catches each game uh, to. To make that sustainable, they've got to have a little bit more of a run game. I'm not saying it has to be last year, but it's got to be at least average. And I, I I've been, I've there. been, I've been, I've been hesitant to write off uh, Brady Oliveira, and I'm not writing him off. But I think it's it might be time to see what Augustine can do with give him the the lion's share of the touches give him 14 15 16 touches a game let's see so, what he can do 
two, two weeks ago against BC, Augustine had 12 carries for 57 yards, averaged 4.8. Okay, Oliveira, seven for 39, averaged 5.6. That, that was the BC game in, in week five. Yeah. The, the big 43-22 win for, for Winnipeg. So 12 carries and seven carries. This past week, it was once again, well, it was more 50-50. It was seven carries for 33 yards for Johnny Augustine, 4.7 yards per carry. And Oliveira had nine for eight yards. So he had less than a yard per carry. But you just look at the last two weeks, it is 19 carries to um, 19 carries for Johnny uh, Augustine and um, 15 carries for Brady Oliveira. So it, it makes you wonder if, if, if this is the slow transition Winnipeg is doing. Football seasons are long. They start in June and they end in, in October, November, right? Uh, these are long, long football seasons. I don't think they're going to just switch things up immediately. Clearly they're not. It's not even that I think that. It, clearly they're not going to do that. Um, but, you know, fans are clamoring for more Johnny Augustine. Uh, we got more Johnny Augustine uh, in BC. We did not get more. We got about the same uh, of Johnny Augustine against the Calgary Stampeders. We'll see what happens in Edmonton. Uh, different defense there for sure. So maybe more of a spread run game uh, with Augustine running off tackle. Uh, maybe a little bit more Greg McRae. We didn't see much Greg McRae at all against Calgary on Friday, which surprised me. I, I've been saying for weeks, we're going to see a little bit more and more Greg McRae uh, as the games go along. But, you know, it, it kind of stopped on a dime. He did not have a single carry uh, well, Calgary. good Not thing I one. don't know where Buck Pierce's house is because I would egg it because he sunk me in fantasy. I had Greg McCraig <laughs> as a value pick and I had I had Dalton shown. I got absolutely crushed in fantasy this week. Uh, well, but, you know, yeah. you know, I, and, and I guess we should we should update uh, uh, update our uh, our fans with the latest rankings in a minute, sure. Jared. But uh, <laughs> what I love about the Bombers, though is and O'Shea talks about it all the time. He'll say, we'll do what it takes to win against the team we play against. And the right. way the Bombers are going to win is going to be different each time. They they are a terrible run offense, but they use the run to great effect against a team that was vulnerable to the run in BC because because they 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 out-scheme their opponent. They outcoach their opponent. And so I don't know much about the size of Edmonton's defense. Maybe someone can fill us in here or how fast they are. I know Chris Jones runs all sorts of crazy etch-a-sketch uh, schemes. Maybe not quite etch-a-sketch, but <laughs> yeah. maybe, you know, maybe a, a very scribbly pad on a, on a Kleenex or napkin. But listen, I mean... Would I be surprised if the Bombers break out in the run game against Edmonton because of something they see on film or or the size difference or speed difference? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. It could it could be a very different looking uh, scheme on both sides of the football for both teams. Um, Chris Jones has a little bit of a reputation of being a wild card and in, you know, a tough matchup or facing a tough opponent, that sort of thing, you might see something really, really different. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm really looking forward to this game on Friday. Uh, of course, as always, the legend Chris Walby joins me for pregame coverage 
live the day before the game, every week, the day before the game, three o'clock central time, right here on Bonfire Sports. And you know how to uh, log in on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, uh, and now on Twitch uh, as well. But uh, everything you need is on bonfiresports.ca. Uh, I can uh, bring up our leaderboard here, Zach. This is our yeah. Bonfire Sports Pick'em. Uh, okay. And Ted Lee still leading the way. He is on fire. Uh, been doing a great job um, with his Pick'ems uh, this season. Uh, the dude is 20 and three, Darren. Like, that's crazy for Pick'em. Yeah. 87%. He's sixth in the entire Pick'em universe. Mm-hmm. Sixth. That's yeah. crazy. Like, Killing I don't know it. who this Rep, Ted Lee is. Repping Bonfire Sports, right? Love it. Yeah. Like, hello, Ted Lee. Like, he's killing it. So, way to rep Bonfire Sports. Six in the entire universe of Pick'em. Boy, that is uh, that is impressive. And uh, yep. where are we at, buddy? I'm just looking. I'm, I know. Uh, I'll, I see Vi- Vicky I'll Short is, is killing it. Jordy Longbottom. Bomber History. Hey, Cade, how you doing? Uh, CJ, uh, sign guys doing pretty well. Andrea Harms, I am 25th. I'm still beating Bombers Cooper out. Trooper, so that's all that I care oh, about. Well, I'm 29. Now, okay. he- here's here's something important here. Okay, look at week four. I didn't make my picks. Look at week one. I didn't make Excuse. my picks. Execution, buddy. It's all about execution. This is this is the number. This is the number I like. 68 percent. Uh, I'm doing okay on the pickums, and you know what? I'll mention this as well, uh, because it's a good time to do it. We are now officially an affiliate partner of SIA Sport that's Sports Interaction, a Canadian sports book and casino. So if you sign up at this website on the screen right now, sia.com slash bonfire, you go there, you sign up, you make a deposit. I think $20 is the minimum. Um, and there's tons of cool bonuses and all types of stuff. So, so check it out, sia.com slash bonfire. And if you sign up through that link uh, and make a deposit, you support all of us here at Bonfire Sports and help uh, continue, um, you know, uh, fueling this free content and throwing a little fuel on the bonfire. Um, the Pick'em has been tons of fun. I, I love the Pick'em, you know, setting the confidence level uh, and, your, and your total scores uh, adds a lot to the points as well. Yeah. Um, but it's our do or die fantasy league, uh, that has a lot of people, uh, really fired up. It's, uh, <laughs> well, from week to week, you never know who's going to win. I, I know I'm, I'm really struggling here. 373 points. I'm, I'm the commissioner of the bonfire starters, <laughs> but, uh, uh, NJLAF, uh, 705. He's been leading the way. Look at the, look at the, who's this more Ted Lee. Tedley's there again, buddy. He's in second place uh, and first place in the pick'em. It's unbelievable. Uh, Parker East has been atop uh, the leaderboard throughout the season. Uh, Elite or 22, uh, Cooper Trooper, BC Bomber, uh, gorgeous Randy Flamethrower. I think he should just win out of hand. Like, come on. Yeah, Jordy Longbottom, Winnipeg sports guy. USFL Tecmo, uh, our good friend uh, there as well. Uh, Yeah, Joe Pritchard. I believe this is Taylor Shire, formerly of oh. Global Saskatchewan, uh, recently moved on from covering sports. So, uh, Taylor, if you're watching, uh, thanks for joining our Do or Die Fantasy League, and uh, congratulations on uh, entering the next chapter for you. The Rum Hut Bomber Boys, 
Love that name. Um, and then, well, maybe don't don't email this individual who just has their email address uh, as it. But just trying to trying to scroll down here to see where where you and I. Well, uh, we're Midland, buddy. I believe there's Christina Constable, CFL.ca. Yes. I I had one. There you, week. There you are. There you I, are. I I right was there. I had that 15 minutes of fame. Uh, there was one. <laughs> there was one week, Darren where I had 149 points, which I don't think anyone's had in any, in any league. Like I might've, I might've had that one moment in the sun where in this, in the uh, CFPN uh, fantasy contest between us and all the other CFL podcasts, I blew mm-hmm. them away. I even got a mention on Twitter, but uh, I, I flew too close to the sun. Icarus went down <laughs> and I, I got killed last week. I'm two and four in the CFPN though. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not out of it. I'm not out of it, but you, you uh, need a, you need a strong middle section here of the season. Michael Shea does not like uh, breaking things into like segments. Sometimes coaches will say, oh, okay, yeah. you know, we need to go uh, four and one in this first five. We need to go four and one in the second five you know, sort of things like that. Uh, Michael Shea does not do that. Um, but uh, big shout out to everybody uh, who has, uh, you know, played fantasy and pick them with us uh, all season long. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, let's, uh, I don't know. Am I, am I forgetting something, Zach? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Don't you just hate that uh, feeling? I do. I you usually You usually talk about how, brilliant and well-spoken and and good looking I am, but, but that, you know, (laughs) I, I don't need that. I don't need to hear that. My head's big enough. Look, it's even bigger now. Your kids, your Uh, kids pump your tires enough, right? (laughs) Your, your lovely wife. They, they, they're fantastic people. I'm I'm jealous of you, man. Yeah, I'm a lot, you know, I'm a, we often don't count our blessings in life, right? We, we have a negativity bias mentally. I can get into that and that psychology, but, um, you know, we look for threats, we look for the negative, but we often forget what we do have. And, uh, I am a lucky guy that way. And I'm lucky to know you, Darren. I mean, we get to chop it up here on bonfire and, Tons uh, talk about football for fun. And people think we're, uh, you know, reasonably good at it or else they wouldn't uh, tune in. <laughs> but uh, no, I think you got everything. I mean, the other thing was, I think this, you were this is s- what I'm forgetting. This is what, what? I'm forgetting. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. We need to bring up the numbers for the upcoming week because oh, yeah. they are out on sports interaction. So of course, hit up uh, our exclusive link, SIA.com slash bonfire. Uh, and these are the numbers for the upcoming week. And you can see them on the ticker. Uh, below as well but the alouettes in ottawa and they are two and a half point favorites over the red blacks um sia.com has a a very interesting thing where if your money line bet loses by exactly three points it's a wash you you essentially uh didn't make the bet so a nice kind of feature there the hamilton tiger cats seven and a half point dogs in bc i i think I think there's some value there for Hamilton to cover. Oh yeah, I really do. I, I know say. BC's BC's rested, but they've already had two buys this season. Uh, they're yeah. they're going to be trying to stack up the the wins early. Bombers seven and a half point favorites in Edmonton, uh, uh, and an over under uh, number of only forty seven. So they're not expecting uh, both of these teams to, to compile a ton of points. Argos six point dogs in Saskatchewan. 
I'm all over this one. Oh I yeah, think you got to yeah. cover six <laughs> easy. Um, so uh, be sure to check those out. As we mentioned, uh, uh, you can see it right there on the screen. It's in the video description below, sia.com slash bonfire uh, and help support us here at Bonfire Sports. And then you throw in a what, 20 bucks and they match you. It's like free money It's and it's fun, yeah. you know, like, like not if you have a gambling problem, but you know, it's fun to throw a couple of bucks. It, it makes it make, it's just it's just it's, I see it as entertainment money, right? Yeah. You you throw you throw 30 like 40 50, bucks 50. out at a restaurant, a 50-50, yeah. you know, you you bet on I don't know, your buddy Ooh. getting dumped by this girlfriend this week or next. <laughs> like um <laughs> by the way, Demario Houston apparently, if you saw the Nick Taylor uh he was he was mic'd up today in practice. <laughs> the team released this video. Well, that wasn't from today, but they, but okay. they released it today. Yeah. Okay, they released it today. Houston apparently had Taylor. four girlfriends. Uh, oh, you believe that? College. No, 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 no. He can, Zach, he can Zach, manage a lot. Zach, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Nick Taylor is the most underrated personality on this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team. <laughs> he was using subterfuge and misdirection and sabotage of his teammates. He even called himself, I'm the feds. I'm the feds. I got the wire, right? Good fellas. Uh, don't believe anything Nick Taylor was saying on that video about his teammates. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like that video is tons of fun. Love the way uh, the Blue Bombers uh, really strong social media team uh, puts all of that out. I, I was just reminded of something though, Zach. The next Blue Bombers home game is August 11th. I believe that is the game they are going to juice the 50-50 by $100,000 just to start. So that rabid game we saw on Friday at IG Field, the 50-50, I believe, was in excess of $100,000. It's going to start at $100,000 on August 11th uh, with the Montreal Alouettes in town. And that's going to be the second of a home-and-home, home, a back-to-back -back, uh, against uh, Danny Machocha and the Alouettes. Uh, Always fun games. When I was a kid and, and, a, and a young man and going to Bomber games as a fan, Zach, the Alouettes games were my favorite. For yeah. whatever reason, the fan base got fired up. Maybe it's because Manitoba is a bilingual province and, and, you know, lots of Francophones here uh, in mm -hmm. Winnipeg and in southern Manitoba, uh, the Métis uh, population that's here as mm -hmm. well. Um, I don't know what it was, but there was just a little extra juice in those games. They're going to juice the 50-50 by 100,000. Uh, a mid-August game, it's going to be tons and tons of fun down at the ballpark. Um, that next home game is in three weeks, uh, but I'm already looking forward to it. I think I, that's a that's a good point. I never thought of that, Darren, but I think... And then you look at the Cal, uh, Calvillo uh, dynasty and the Bombers mm -hmm. were in the East Division all those years and yeah. we kept getting our butts kicked and then we'd have the odd win. You know, like, you're right. I think those Montreal games are always fun. And good rivalry. Extra juicy. And then we have the Johnny Menzel uh, game. We had that epic comeback when we beat them 41-40 yes. with Andrew Harris in 2017. I, I remember... Shame the on me. Same Go on ahead. me, buddy. Go ahead. It's the it's one of you the didn't. one regrets of my life that I left that game and I was taking a pee in the in the bushes outside of IG Field and the cannon goes off and I and I well I okay I peed on myself but anyway then we all <laughs> ran to the nearest hot dog cart and listened to it on CJOB uh, but yeah totally those games are always great. What were you gonna say? 
Well, okay. So that comeback game where Matt Nichols had that like 45 yard run up the gut and then Andrew yes. Harris punched it in. Was his knee down? Was it not? Well, they called yeah. it a touchdown. It's good. And the Bombers won. You can go Wikipedia this. I- I'm not going to say who it was, but there was a certain um, head of football operations person with the Montreal Alouettes. They had their, their notebook in the press box and they closed it up and said, yeah, that's the ball game. And they left with like, you know, went down to the locker room, assumedly with about two and a half, three minutes left You're in the kidding. game. They, yeah. Won the game, beat the bombers. Well, sure. They were 40. It was 40, 28. It was a Steph Logan run. I was like, okay, yeah. 12, 12, they're up 12. It's, it's over. Yeah. And then yeah. it's almost like the Montreal Wets. I know we're going back a ways, but it's that even Dunnigan. I remember saying, cause I've rewatched it a couple times. I remember Dunnigan saying on, on the drive where the bombers got to within five, uh, I believe it was a Ryan Lankford touchdown. And, mm. and, and Dunnigan said like it, they better wake up. Like the Alouettes just basically aren't even playing defense right now. And he said, they better wake up. Cause if there's an onside kick, the bombers are going to win this game. And then Brandon Alexander got, I remember that it was this beautiful onside kick by Medlock. Uh, Brandon Alexander catches it. Uh, and, and away we went. Uh, what a game that was, man. Yeah, <laughs> some of those games against Montreal are are my favorites. Um, but yeah, going back uh, decades now, uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun game on uh, August 11th. But I guess we'll leave it there, Zach. Uh, great show. Great to have you back, man. It was great having you back on the post game uh, this past week as well. But uh, uh, I know everybody out there uh, in the live chat and and watching and listening uh, on the podcast and on YouTube and Facebook and and the rest are, are happy to see you back, man. Good to have you. Well, I am happy to be back, Darren, and and it's tons and tons of fun to talk football and to talk about a 6-0 and team. Like, say what you want about the stats. When your team is 6-0 and for the first time, what did you say, in 62 years? And, it, you know, every every game just gets more and more exciting because you're like, are they going to get to 7-0? Are they going to – is this going to be a trap game? Like, is Chris Jones just going to – pull a rabbit out of a hat here is Taylor Cornelius gonna gonna take it to the next level but or the bombers gonna fight how are the bombers gonna win this week is it gonna be special teams is it gonna be the run game which you weren't expecting is is Carlton Agadosi gonna take it for Dalton Schoen are, are we gonna see someone take else away. Who we ha- <laughs> uh, yeah how are they gonna take away? like who who's gonna who's gonna be the hero it's it's different every week it's uh and it's fun as heck man so so I will just stop, drop one more stat that the red zone touchdown percentage of the Bombers is 57%. Like they're scoring when it matters and they're taking so away You're, you're the saying ball. when they're, anytime they get inside the 20, yeah. they're scoring touchdowns 57% of the time. Yes. And nice number. opponents against the Bombers are 27%. So yeah. It's all this, you know, this this bend but don't break stuff. But but when it really comes down to it, the bombers squeeze the life of their opponents and and they strike when they need to. So I love that. But but we'll we'll be watching that run game. We'll be watching special teams. We'll have a lot to watch and we'll have even more to talk about post game, buddy. Yeah. Well, and hey, we're going to see everybody back here on Tuesday night next week, 7.30, as we always do for Bonfire Midweek. But you don't want to miss the pregame show. As always, the day before the game, Chris Walby and myself will go live at 3 o'clock on Friday. 
or pardon me, on Thursday, Friday, post game live right here again on Bonfire Sports, as we always do. Zach, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, had a ton of fun today. Enjoy the games this week. And uh, hey, we'll see you back here on Bonfire Sports, everybody. Good night, everybody.